one. Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is plenty of ways to reach success. And one is to reward people with things that they've done well. And that's what this episode is all about. So let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Business Bros, get ready. Ooh, I didn't put the fire on this time. All right, <laughs> Business Bros, get ready for the dynamic episode that explores the intersect of rewards, engagement, and business success. Our guest today is a visionary entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience in online media and advertising. As the CEO and founder of Influence Mobile, he's redefining engagement by creating products that reward everyday activities. A graduate of Birthing of Giants Fellowship Program, a contributor to platforms like Inc.com and Entrepreneur.com, and a mentor to numerous startups, our guest is on a mission to empower others with insights on technology, metrics, and recognition. So stay tuned as we uncover the strategies behind fostering user engagement, the power of rewards, and the path to a reward life. Now let's welcome to the show the remarkable Mr. Daniel Todd. All right, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I'm going to definitely send that intro to my mom. That's probably the best intro I've ever seen. So <laughs> as we were talking about, we just got we got to make you smile. Otherwise, you're not going to talk about your business in the best light possible. So here we go, my friend. Um, I told you that uh, at the at the beginning before we started today's episode that you have a classroom full of 17 year old high school seniors and you're in a unique position because in our class, our students are learning uh, about digital marketing. So I'm teaching them how to create funnels, how to create landing pages, how to use a software called Go High Level, because I believe that it's a skill set that they can take on to the world. And after they graduate high school, it's useful. You are literally helping companies do something very similar. Can you talk to the value of what they're getting out of that uh, as far as how they can take it into the marketplace and how it's helped you get to where you are today? For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great business ideas and there's a lot of great businesses, but there are a lot of great businesses that never become amazing businesses because they don't know how to market. And so marketing is a skill that literally can apply to nearly every business across the world. And, you know, I was no math genius, but if you understand simple algebra, you can really become a master of digital marketing. It's, it's, a, it's, it pays a lot of money, which is a nice thing. It's enjoyable. If you, you know, if you, if you're a detail oriented person, but there's also a lot of creativity to it. And uh, I didn't I didn't fall into it because I chose it. I kind of started a company back in the late 90s and was forced to learn it myself. But if I could have been armed with some tools like maybe you're giving these kids today, that would have been a really great starting place. And I know like as far as college is concerned, for some people, it's the exact route that they need to go. And for others, it might not be the way they've been. They, they think they're going to go here in the near future. What about the education required to do something like this? What's that kind of, what, what can they expect if they decide to go into the digital marketing route? 
You know, I think it varies. There was a, a friend of mine's daughter who just graduated from college and then in, in marketing and related business. And I helped her for about two months, just kind of dig into Facebook advertising and all the metrics and not to be an indictment against school, but she said she learned more in those four weeks than she learned in all that time. So I think the, the message I would give people is, is just get started. Offer your time for free. There's a lot of small companies that need help. You know, I've, I've had people intern for me where I just gave them $100 or $500 to spend so they can just start to the engine going, the creativity. Where do I place these ads? What's the ad have to say? What's the metrics behind it? What is the business trying to do? Who is the target customer? Getting your hands dirty with real world opportunities as early as you can will give you a sense of what parts you like, right? You might just become the operations master. You might like the creative side. You might like overseeing the whole thing. There's a lot of different uh, parts of it. And I think the sooner you can get real world experience, the better. I totally agree. And it's going to take work, right? Uh, it, it's one of those things where and almost it doesn't matter whether you're taking a class or you're going out in public or you're, you're searching for that uh, kind of the elusive passive income thing. All this stuff is still going to take some sort of work and you're not going to learn it all at the beginning. Um, what's been your experience when it comes to marketing? When, and I, I guess I'm pointing at the, the testing aspect of it. How many times do you fail when you start a campaign till you eventually start to see some success at it? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't view it as failing. I view it as like you start off in the least informed, least successful status, right? So sometimes it's failure. Sometimes it's moderate success. But you can just presume that a month in, you're going to be way more knowledgeable. A year in, you're going to be way more knowledgeable. And so uh, I've learned that many times assumptions are very bad things to make, you know, uh, across the board. Like this can never work. That creative is not going to work. You really have to have a, a testing mentality. And so the, the, the benefit of, of digital marketing these days is that you can test very, very small campaigns, right? It's not like TV and radio and billboards, we got to spend tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can, you can create your own campaign. You mentioned like, yeah, work from home stuff. You can sign up as an affiliate for affiliate networks on Linkshare and these types of things, create your own ads, spend $5 a day on Google or Facebook and learn the entire thing in a few weeks, figure out, you know, when I make, when I make the button red, what happens if I use uh, a smiling female instead of a smiling male, if they're wearing glasses or not wearing glasses, it is crazy the the small changes that can have massive impact. And then when you when you can put together like 20 positive small changes, all of a sudden you've got a, a working ad. And I'll give you guys one example. We, we, we do a lot of video ads now, which used to never work. Thankfully, when someone came to me with this idea of running a video ad, I'm like, well, we should at least test it. And the very first ad that came, there was this girl in a stocking cap and big glasses, and you could see all the lights flashing off of her glasses. I'm like, this, this is horrible. This is never going to work. That video made us millions and millions and millions of dollars. I don't even know. I don't honestly even know why, right? Like what, what made it work? What made it interesting was the very thing that made it annoying to me, made it catch people's eyes. And so you just can't trust your gut opinion. Even if you've been doing it a long time, you got to test and keep things fresh. That's the way it works. Testing, 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 figuring out what works. Um, 
oftentimes what you think is distasteful or what you think is horrible tends to be that thing that <laughs> blows up and you never know why. I, I agree with that. You just don't know. All right, you have a unique approach to this stuff. You have this uh, rewarded life uh, thought process. And usually when people come on the show, it's because they're promoting something. So tell me a little bit about what you do, your business. What are you selling? What is rewarded life? Sure. So... <clears throat> I started the company about 12 years ago with the idea that I wanted to build technology that influenced people's future shopping. And you could argue it's a type of marketing, right? Uh, and we started, we started out with celebrity shopping rewards programs. And then as Facebook sort of turned into this mobile juggernaut, we started doing mobile shopping and then that wasn't really taking off. So we actually started rewarding people for trying something new. And that something new was basically Facebook games and Facebook was pretty happy with it, but, they wouldn't share with us what the person actually was doing in these games. So we started our own product called engage and we started working directly with app developers. And what that turned into is today we have an app called rewarded play. It's in the Android app store and we reward people, typically adults, uh, 18 to 99 who want to discover and play new games. And so people can come in, download three apps and earn a $5 gift card in about 24 hours. And then we invite them to stick around and, and play new games, and they'll earn $20 or $30 a month. But what we're really doing is when these people come in and we bring in millions of people a year, there's about 5% of people that spend the lion's share of money. I don't know. There's probably people in your audience that, that play video games on their phone. Mm -hmm. So I, I would probably say almost all of them are playing some sort of video game on their phone. And if it's not a game, then they're scrolling. Yeah. And so games like Candy Crush – uh, are very, very powerful, right? They're billion-dollar franchises, and they make all their money from these 5% of people that spend all this money. And to give you a sense of how much, it's, it's they're, typically they're spending 5 to $50 a day in these games, but some people, like our top spender, spent $9,000 in one month in one game. Wow. And we gave that person $2,000 back in rewards, right? So what we've ultimately created is actually a shopping rewards model for games. And so we find people that like to play games. And then if you start spending money in games, we're giving you roughly 10 to 20% cash back. And you can imagine if you're spending $9,000 a month, which that was probably an atypical month, you're getting $2,000 back. You're never leaving, right? You're going to stay within our network. You're going to get this money back. And so what happens is we end up keeping these people who spend a lot of money in games. They're very valuable to uh, the game developers. So our customers are kind of twofold. The largest game developers in the world, the Candy Crushers and Yahtzees and Grabbles, those companies pay us money to get these people. And then we use a portion of that money to create a multi-month rewards program, not unlike airline rewards, right? Where the more you do, the more you get. And then we just end up retaining uh, this very good group of people that spend money, which makes the next game developer that much happier. And then we just keep growing. Now you got my students' attention because they're thinking, wait a minute, you're going to pay me to play some games? <laughs> We're going to earn some money when we play some of these games? I mean, that's a huge, a huge upsell for a lot of people who are going to be able to play a game. They're like, they're already taking some of their time and they have the ability to make some money off this thing. I mean, that's a win. Um, so how does, okay, so I understand how you guys make money and how, how that kind of works. But what's what's the whole idea behind it? Where are we where are you heading with this thing? Is the customer data something that you're able to use for other across platforms? Because I know, for example, uh, when when you create a Facebook ad, you can create ads that go across platforms. It's not just necessarily Facebook itself, but the Facebook network. 
Um, does it work the same way with you guys, the customer data that you're, that you're, that you're using? Does it allow you to give the customer a better experience overall online? How does that, how does that kind of help out for you guys? So most of the time, so the two questions, where we're heading and what we do with the customer data. Most of the time, the only thing we're doing with the customer data is trying to enrich their experience, right? So we're looking at the games that they're playing. These, these people who I, I mentioned to you are the high value spenders. We have what's called an elite rewards program. Not unlike when people roll into Vegas and they get free hotel rooms, we treat them with you know top-notch service. We give them swag, we give them extra bonus points. Uh, so we use the data primarily to make that experience better for them. Uh, the other thing that we're doing that kind of ties into that and is more where we're headed to answer that question, you mentioned the rewarded life. These, these same women, it's primarily women over the age of 35 that, that spend the most amount of money, they do lots of other things. They get groceries, they buy gas, they do all these other things that generate revenue for somebody. And we want them to be able to do that within our network. And just like with the games, we're then going to give them a form of cash back. So people can do market research surveys. Last year, we launched a partnership with Paramount Plus where you can basically get paid to test out Paramount Plus. We have dating apps. We have other non-gaming apps coming on. Uh, we're, we're considering real world opportunities where you might be able to sign up and you know maybe you want to get a quote on insurance and you can get some points. So the idea of the rewarded life and where we're headed is to give this group of people more things to do besides games that might even just make it more rewarding when they're playing those games, right? Do this and get 30% more every time you play Yahtzee. So we're trying to innovate and make them happier and sticking around longer. Yeah, it's uh, it comes down to that whole idea of, of how do you get somebody to do what you want them to do? You could get mad at them. You could yell at them. Uh, you can tell your kid clean the room and get pissed off when they don't do it. Or you can use an incentive to get them to do it. You reward the skill that or the, the behavior that you want. All of a sudden, that behavior continues to happen over and over again. I feel like you guys are using a, a, a powerful rewarding tool to foster that engagement. Is there any uh, – any how do you balance it maybe, I guess, between incentivizing action but still maintaining like a genuine user experience? Yeah, great question. I think uh, early early on – that that was actually one of the biggest concerns that app developers had, right? They just assumed that anybody that was using rewards was in it just for the rewards and there was no value creation. But we, of the rewards we give out, 80% of the rewards is tied to actual spending in games, right? So you can come in and play a game, but if you never spend, you have to spend a lot of time in that game to earn points, right? So you might you might get a few points by playing to level one and level five, but you got to play to like level 100 to get to the point where you're going to be getting a $5 gift card. On the other hand, if you spend $100, you're going to get you know, $10 to $20 back in rewards immediately. So what happens is you've got a, a bigger incentive for the people that spend money, but there's still an incentive for everybody else. There's plenty of people who come in. They just play games. We do limit them, right? You can't just let people install 10 games a day so that there's some limits and the points go down if you try to do too much at one time. So we try to enforce what would be considered a normal gaming play cadence, right? And that's the other reason why we want to add other things besides games, because, you know, you can only play so many games that create value for the game developer, but you can, you know, you can sign up for Paramount Plus, you can do a bunch of surveys, you can do these other things. So by giving a more robust ecosystem for people to spend time, they, they don't necessarily just have to keep grinding on more games to earn rewards. We have a, a world that I think is shaping around uh, virtual and augmented reality, and it's going to make gaming and interaction with different apps a lot more, I don't know, like, 
it's, it's going to be really cool to be able to put on a pair of glasses and watch it pop up like that movie Free Guy where you just see all these different things pop up. I, I feel like that's exactly where we're heading when it comes to a lot of these gaming softwares. Um, what's the what's the talk inside uh, these app developers as you're creating these games, as you're creating these rewards incentives, and you see the future coming with augmented and, and virtual reality? Is there, uh, is there a path that you guys are kind of heading there? Is there like a back-end development, maybe some fundamentals there to kind of grow into that space as it develops? So we, we, we try to keep close with what our game developers are doing, but I, I, I almost think that what you're describing is will become a generational shift, right? Like you, you would be surprised to learn that still one of the most popular games on mobile phones is Solitaire, the same kind of Solitaire we played on Windows years and years ago, right? So like, 98, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so while there's, you know, with a younger demographic and, and – you know, more kids that had played console games and both genders coming into you know their 20s, you're going to see a lot more, I think, experimentation at that age. I'm not sure that 65-year-olds are out putting on goggles, but they are spending thousands of dollars a month in games. So I think what will happen is as a generation that's used to not doing that kind of ages out and game developers start to shift into that and they have, they have a requirement to get, you know, like right now, for example, uh, no offense to anybody in your room, Game developers don't really want teenagers. They don't want even 22, 23-year-olds. They don't have as much money as, as older people, right? So uh, so there's a, a difference. There's certainly mid-core games and uh, consoles that where people spend a lot of money. But in the area that we work with, like I said, it's this older demographic. And I don't think that I don't think that's a trend that our game developers are focused on as much as as people building stuff for 25 and under. Yeah, you're following the revenue. I mean, I remember playing video games when I was a kid. I got my first Atari, got my first Nintendo. It was you buy a game for, you know, 50, 60 bucks, whatever it is, and then that's it. You had the game. It was yours. There were no additional sales or anything like that. Then then the onset of online gaming came around, and it was cool to play with your friends online. But then companies like uh, like Fortnite came along. And it's no longer you buy the game one time. You can get the game for free. You can play the game for free. It's all the little things that are inside the game that become now cash grabs for everybody, whether it's you want a particular skin or you want a soundtrack or you want to level up or you want to whatever it is. These are the opportunities that you're after. And I agree with you. The money is not in the younger generation. The, 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 and, and to, to, to be honest, I mean, I'm 41 years old, so I've been playing games since, <laughs> since I was a kid. My yeah. generation is that new generation that's still in the upper age that has the resources to buy stuff and is of gaming capability. We just know what it's like to play a game. We can pick one up and, and pretty much start playing it at any time and know that there's a there's a learning curve to it. Maybe at first you don't know how to walk around or whatever, but in, in due time you'll figure it out and then you're going to be hooked and the time there is going to be going to be intense. So you said you're targeting a little bit of an older demographic. Um, what uh, and and where are you targeting exactly? Who are you coming after? So our primary demographic, as I mentioned, is females 35 plus. But you you kind of have it kind of breaks down like this. Females 35 plus are probably the most uh, sought after demographic by our advertisers, right? These these casual games, then older males, then younger females, then younger males. So they they're interested. Advertisers are interested in all groups, just at different prices. 
So they, what they might pay $25 for an install for somebody who's a 50 year old female on a, on a brand new Android 13 phone, they might pay for that same game $2 for a 20 year old male on an Android 10 device, or they might not even pay at all, right? So, so it's for all adults and it's, and it's for people that spend money in games. Uh, so that spans everybody. It's just how much they'll spend, which makes it easier for us to acquire users of that, you know, demographic. Let me ask you about the company culture and where you're at. I mean, I'd imagine that when you're in a gaming culture or when you're in a gaming company, the culture there's got to be fun. You guys have got to enjoy what you're doing. And then to to top it off, you're giving people money back. I remember one of the first uh, businesses that I had was uh, was a tax practice. And I love giving people their refund checks. It, it puts a smile on my face. It puts a smile on their face. It's a win-win scenario all the way through. What's the culture like working with a company like yours, especially because it's video games and you're giving money back? Yeah. I would say the, the video games make less of a difference than you might imagine. Like we, we put a big focus on culture. I would actually say the relationships that, that the coworkers have all uh, developed together is is more unique than saying the the games themselves, but, and, and there's probably a split. So yeah, the, the group that gets to spend that time with the elite rewards and all the spenders love it, right? That's, they're very happy and appreciative, but anytime you give away money, there's also people who try to cheat you. So there's a, unfortunately a constant, we got to be on the lookout for fraud, people in, outside the country trying to use uh, botnets and, you know, emulators to try to cheat us. So that group, <laughs> that group gets a little bit more salty because there's people cheating so from a culture perspective, you know, we've been remote pre-COVID. We were only 70 employees and now we're, sorry, we were seven employees and now we're 70. So we've grown a lot and we've tried to, to facilitate real world uh, interactions with people because everybody's around the world. We have half the people in Canada, half the people in the United States. Um, so the culture is great. We just won uh, this year Inc. Magazine's Best Places to Work. We, we got on that list and we, we spend a lot of time thinking about it, but I wouldn't say it's all that focused on gaming per se it's on relationships your your business involves a synergy of technology business strategy but also human psychology um how do these elements kind of align to create the foundation for influence mobile's overall success yeah i mean the the same thing with marketing is true with products like we had to test a lot when we there's there's something internally we call the curse of knowledge when you know how something works it's just so obvious to you that it's almost hard for you to explain in such layman's terms that other people could understand and so years ago when we first we were struggling the metrics weren't that good we had fewer than like six percent of people were actually installing an offer on their very first day uh, we started just recruiting people off of craigslist and putting them in front of the app and recording them with a video camera and then asking them questions. And it became, it, it was actually shocking how poorly we were doing at trying to just make an app that was super simple, right? And so just like anything else, we had to test, retest, continue to ask customers what their, what their experience was. We of course measure a bunch of metrics. So just like on a, online advertising, we measure every single step. We know exactly where people fall off. You know, when people first come in, they create an account and they give us their age and gender and they take this step and that step. And wherever we see the fall off, we get in and we test a bunch of different variations. And over the years, we went from, you know, sub 6% to now close to 50% to an engage install on the very first day. Huge improvements, right? 
so again, just like everything else I've been mentioning, you, you can't assume you know what your customer wants. You have to test it, ask them, test it, ask them, and just keep that cycle going. And even today, we're constantly trying to improve the product experience to make it better for everybody. Man, you guys have a, a great company culture. You have a great idea as far as what you're doing to help increase engagement. It's fun. It's interactive. I, I think you guys are doing some phenomenal stuff. If people want to find out more about what you have to offer, they want to reach out and talk to you. How can they do that? Yeah, they can They can uh, look on our website, but I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so they can look up Daniel Todd Influence Mobile. Uh, that's the best place to find me. I'm, I write a couple of different articles, as you mentioned, on Inc. and Entrepreneur. And always happy to, to talk with people and, and help them in any way I can. Perfect. Daniel, um, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It was great uh, having you here and telling us about what it is that you do. Uh, if uh, I got one like last selfish question um, <laughs> from the time you booked on the show to the emails and, and reminders that you got all the way to creating content with us here on the show episode today. What was your experience like creating content with the business bros? Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, this is probably one of the most interesting podcasts I've done. I love that you have a live studio audience and uh, your 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 uh, tone and upbeatness and yeah, all the professionalism to get it all scheduled is best of best of breed. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, influencemobile.com is the website, influencemobile.com. You can check Daniel on social media well, on LinkedIn at Daniel Todd. Um, it's what he's doing is amazing. Literally, you're already spending time on your phone playing games anyways. Why wouldn't you want to get paid or get some money back from the money that you're spending on those games? It's exactly what he's into. So one more time, his website is influencemobile.com. Daniel, thank you very much for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today. Business.